Our Holy Gospel reading today is from Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 24. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We live in a world that is filled with frustrations and with disappointments, with, with hardships, with sicknesses. We prayed for the sick this, just a few moments ago. A world filled with death, a world filled with sin, and oh, we look around and there's evil. We see it around us. But what do we do with evil? How do we understand evil? What is evil in the first place? As we look to address that question and answer that question, let's take first a a look at a, a video and listen to some other people and their thoughts on evil. Some of these opinions you'll you'll agree with and say yes and amen, and some you'll listen to and say that ain't right. And that's okay. But let's listen to what people in our world think about evil. 
I believe evil is a construct made up by religion. Nothing is really evil. I just think that's what it is. Evil is the weaker part of ourselves. Satan's all evil. Mm -hmm. 100%. You made that choice. I can't say there is a Satan. I can't say there's a God. Therefore, if there's not real evil, there can't be ultimate good either. It's just what we make of it. Evil has begun from the beginning. Cain and Abel. I believe that there is a Lord of lies. He'll tell you that something that that is bad for you is good for you. I think evil is a part of what we are in society. It's more like everything has a balance, everything has opposition. It's an energy, you know, you could say it's a, it's a force. I think evil is relative, don't you? So is there a true definition of evil? Probably not. Evil is something that is in the head. It's within man, you know, it's temptation. Whether it actually exists, well, that's kind of like asking if any idea really exists. For me, evil is definitely tangible. Evil is not really a thing, it's more of an action. I think anything that's purposefully hurtful to someone else um, would be an evil action. On a worldly level, terrorism is a perfect example of that. I think the terrorists were evil. They believed what they were doing was right. What they did was not right, but at the same time, there is a certain amount of influence and ignorance involved in all sides. Osama bin Laden's just a crazy freak. He's not, he's not evil, he's just crazy. It could be chemical, you know, in their head sometimes. The chemical is not right and so they do things. I think people being scared of what they don't know makes them do often evil things. Evil, non-evil, those are things that change from generation to generation, from century to century, mm -hmm. religion to religion. Evil is brainwashing, having people to follow and believe in what their causes are. I don't believe in killing or anything like that. I don't consider murder evil. I just choose not to call it evil, per se, because I think when you start saying evil, then people start getting all these preconceived notions about it. Child predators are evil to the core. Things like rape, I think that's evil. Anything can be dubbed as evil. Anything that makes you out of control is something that is evil. I think some people are bad. But I wouldn't necessarily call them evil. And I think good people do bad things, and, and people who, who aren't as good do good things, too. So I know some people who try to get rid of darkness using a gray area. You have to use the light to combat the darkness. We do need more people like Mother Teresa. We need more people in this world to be understanding. And to get over evil is for everybody to break down their barriers. You gain a lot more by making right and confident choices versus evil choices. That would be one step towards diminishing the evil in our world. Trying to raise our children to be good people, regardless of our religious beliefs. And what we don't need are people that just look at one person and judge that one person. It's the fact that evil is made by judgment. Technically, it's only a thing of our mind that we have created, because what is, what is evil but what we've been told? It'd be easy, I think, to categorize, you know, people who have done really bad things as evil. That doesn't mean they're strictly evil, though. Hitler, Mussolini. Yeah, um, they've done horrible things, but who knows if they had some kind of a psychological disorder that made it so they really weren't conscious enough to make good decisions. So how can we hold them accountable? So we can see some different thoughts uh, opinions on, on evil, uh, how evil exists, how evil can be understood. Is some, some think it's a social construct, some think it's a reality. So you have an idea, some thoughts on, on evil as well. In fact, I mean, we, we just prayed a few moments ago, 
deliver us from evil, right? Yeah, so, so there's something that's going on here, but let's take a little bit of time to understand clearly what evil is and what we're supposed to do about it as, as Christians. So we can look today, and Jesus addresses this specifically, in our text from Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew 13, uh, this is uh, the third of, what, of, of five discourses in Matthew's gospel. So we've got the Sermon on the Mount, right? We, we just heard recently the mission discourse in, in chapter 10. Here's the parabolic discourse. We're going to hear in a few weeks the discourse on the church in Matthew 18, and then the discourse or teaching on the end times in Matthew 24 and 25. Today, we're looking at, and we spend three weeks in the parabolic discourse, if you will. And so here, Jesus is telling parables, so much so that, that Matthew even tells us that he didn't say anything without using a, a parable to go along to support it. And part of that was in fulfillment of, of prophecy. And as he tells this parable... It's referred to oftentimes as the parable of the weeds. Quick recap. An owner has a field, sows good seed, (laughs) sowing in the field. However, there's weeds in the field. And so the weeds and the wheat are mixed together. The servants of the owners say, should we pull out the weed? Should we get to work? And he says, no, I'll take care of it later. So that's the Reader's Digest version of, uh, of this parable. A couple things that we, we can look at. Jesus explains this. In fact, when, when Jesus is initially teaching this, he's teaching the crowds out by the Sea of Galilee, right? They then go back, Jesus and his disciples go back to the house in Capernaum, probably Peter's house, and in that more private context, they say, yeah, so can you explain that one to us? (laughs) Tell us what's up, and he does that. So let's go ahead and take a look. Now, first of all, the field equals, in the parable, equals the world, and it's important to make this distinction. This is not the church. We'll get to that later. The field is the world. Then there's good seed or, or wheat, and that's the children of the kingdom, right? That's people who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and, and Savior. There's the weeds. Those are the sons of the evil one. And who is the evil one? Who is the enemy? It is the devil himself. And so when we look at this, when we look at this parable, one thing we can say outright confidently is that evil exists, right? It's not just a social construct. It's not something that's going to change from decade to decade or century to century. No, evil was, evil is, and until Jesus returns, evil will continue to exist in this world. And we can also say this, that evil is, (laughs) this is almost silly to say it this way, evil is bad, right? Uh, I, I don't know how else to put it, but evil is, is, is not good. God doesn't like 
evil. God, in fact, hates evil, and he promises to deal with, with evil. So the question is, as followers of Jesus, as followers of God, what do we do with, with evil at this time? And see, this is why Jesus is telling this parable to his disciples in the first place. Two of his disciples, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, fishermen in, the past, in their past life, but they also have another name from Jesus. They're called the sons of thunder, right? Seems to indicate that maybe they're a little hot-tempered, right? <laughs> a little quick to, to act before they think, right? And so one time, they're, preach, or they're going through and proclaiming the kingdom. Jesus is preaching the kingdom in a town in Samaria. And what does that town do? They reject Jesus. They reject the teaching. They don't believe. And so James and John, they, they go up to Jesus and say this. Master, should we call down fire from heaven upon them? You know, they're thinking back to Elijah and dealing with Baal and sin in the Old Testament. And Jesus' response is a big old, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. (laughs) No, that is not the case at all. You see, his disciples have this mentality. They, they see evil in this world. What, what do they, what should they do about it? In the parable, what does Jesus tell us to do? No, don't pull the weeds, right? Uh, th- there's two reasons. Because, well, there's one reason ultimately, right? If you pull the weeds, you might accidentally pull up the wheat with it. So let's, let's take a look at this. On the left is wheat in its early life, right? On the right are the tares or the weeds, right? A, a particular type of weed. And, and do you see how similar at this point in their life they, they look? That it's actually not until they start producing fruit or, or wheat that you can clearly distinguish between the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds. So you could go in and accidentally pull out something that was actually wheat, right? Not only that, but their roots are, are intertwined. And so what happens if you pull out a weed and, oops, Up with it comes some wheat. Jesus says, no, no, no. Don't call down fire from heaven. (laughs) Don't pull out the weeds. I'll deal with it later. Today, what should we do with the weeds? (laughs) A few years ago, when we lived down in the Front Range, suburb of Denver, Arvada, we lived at a home, and, and our next-door neighbor, her name was Barb, dear friend of ours, and we still keep in touch with her today. And we had just moved into this home, and there is in the backyard a flower bed, right? And that flower bed had 
some weeds that had to be dealt with, right? And who is the man for the job? Right here, right? And so what did I do? I'm not going to pull weeds. That's a lot of work, right? I went and bought some Roundup, right? So, you know, cue Wild West music, you know, and I'm I'm walking around and I see a weed, bing, 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 you know, and I'm taking these weeds out and I walk and and I step back when I'm done. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Take that weeds, right? Until the next day when my neighbor Barb who has a beautiful, gorgeous flower bed right next door, came to me and said, so I know you, you had to spray weeds the other day, but just so you know, there's a little bit of a wind, and you should come and take a look at my flower bed. And you know what I saw oh, instantly brought guilt. Flowers that were, well, did they, they survive, but... It wasn't perfect, right? You know, it wasn't ideal. So, of course, I apologized to my neighbor, Barb, and said, I'm so sorry. And the moral of the story is move to the mountains where you live at a place and going all natural with your, your uh, yard is okay. And weeds are just, they're, they're everywhere, right? No, that's not the moral of the story. <laughs> the, the point being is that when we deal with weeds... We can accidentally hurt the flowers or the wheat. And when the wheat are the sons of the kingdom, brothers and sisters in Christ, people Jesus died for on the cross, see where it gets a little bit touchy? So what do we do? When we look into our world, when we look at America, and we recognize it's not the country that it used to be. It's not the country I grew up in. It's certainly not the country that my, my grandparents grew up in with uh, cultural values being so closely aligned with, with the church, with the high view of, of pastors and the high view of, of the Bible being held both in the church, and in the culture. Instead, we see decisions being made even by our leaders. We have to pray, work through our leaders, or in spite of our our, our leaders, (laughs) to preserve life in this world. We see evil all around us, or, or we look... At our family and the way that evil is impacting our children, our family, our, our parents and their neighbors who don't treat them well. We start pulling weeds. And it's a lot of work because weeds, they just keep coming. They keep coming. You ever, you ever pull weeds? There's a reason that Roundup was invented, right? (laughs) Because uh, your back can get sore when you're pulling weeds after weeds after weeds. And quickly we, we start to recognize when we're pulling weeds out there, all of a sudden those weeds come really close to home. What if our family members, our children, 
look more like weeds than wheat. We look in the mirror, and it's hard to distinguish. Which one are you? Wheat or weeds? Sometimes we can't tell. So we have this desire to pull weeds, and yet we start to recognize maybe not such a good idea. And what does Jesus tell us in the explanation of this parable? He says to the workers, should we pull weeds? No. And what, what does he do? What does he explain? First of all, it's not the right time. Let's wait till harvest time. Let's wait till the end of the age. Let's wait until the last day when Jesus comes back. Then, then the weeds and the wheat will be separated. And what does he tell us? He tells us, it's not your job. Who's going to pull the weeds? The angels. Know your role. <laughs> right? I mean, when I played football, I played offensive line, offensive guard, and it was important at that time, like, you know, you know what everyone's role, everyone's job is. But it's really important to not do someone else's job. Well, what if he can't make that block? That person's going to beat him. I just need to help him a little bit before I do my... No, because then when I don't do my job, or when I focus on someone else's job, then I don't do my job well. And I miss my own block. Same kind of things going on here. Know your job. We know who does what. And we don't do other people's jobs. I mean, ultimately, if we go out and we're pulling weeds, we're telling Jesus, we're telling God, you're not that good at your job. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know when to do it. This is full-blown idolatry. Whew because we're saying we know better. Here, here's my, my concern, pastorally, friends. As we look at this world and we see things going a direction that we are uncomfortable with, that we might even say is, is evil, we can get so focused on the pulling of, of weeds that we lose sight of Jesus in the cross. We can get so focused on the pulling of weeds, of making America great. And we, we look to, uh, we put our hope in things like elections, things like Supreme Court rulings, things like laws being passed at the legislature, and if that's the source of our hope, <laughs> what's that say about Jesus and our hope in him? His promises. That, that, that's my concern. 
that we can get so focused on pulling weeds that we take our eyes off of Christ and that those of us who are wheat turn into weeds on that last day. Friends, Jesus' promises are trustworthy. Jesus fulfilled prophecy from the Old Testament. He promised us a future hope free of weeds, free of evil, and we trust his timing. He tells us he's coming back. When he comes back, he'll send his angels who have much better eyesight than us, who are much more delicate with their their fingers. They can pull the weeds without hurting the wheat. That's their job. He'll take care of it. It's worth noting that Jesus spends over half his explanation of this parable on explaining the gathering of the weeds. This implies that Jesus didn't take this lightly. He doesn't take evil lightly because he loves people. The angels can carefully discern the weeds from the wheat. That's their job. The Son of Man, the one who comes on that last day, the one who is the ultimate judge of good and evil, is the same Son of Man who is sent into this world to take away the evil of the world, to take the evil of the world upon himself. Jesus comes. He lives amongst the weeds, the evil of the world. He experiences heartache. He experiences death. He experiences sickness. He experiences loss, a loss, and He's ultimately led to the cross and choked out by the weeds. And three days later, he sprang to life. And he conquered evil. He conquered the weeds in the field. And so that is our source of hope. We've been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection so that we have hope that one day everything that we see around us, the wheat that's been infected with weeds, it will be taken care of. We are told that we will, as the children of God, shine with the light of the kingdom in us. This is a good and hopeful day And we look forward to that, and we are patient. We are patient. We trust God's timing. God is patient with us. And he removes from us this burden of pulling weeds. That will hurt your back anyways. You don't need to worry about that. He's patient with us. And Jesus, he's the one who turns sickness into health. He's the one who turns death into life. And he is the one that turns weeds into wheat. Let's let him and his angels make that decision on the last day. Today, we aren't called 
to pull weeds, but to sow seeds. We continue to proclaim the gospel, to show the love of Christ in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our country. Yes, we, we vote our conscience and we, we tell the truth. And, and when, when there's an injustice before us, we address that. But ultimately, what's our job as Christians, as followers of Christ? We're seed scatters. <laughs> we get to sow the love of Jesus amongst this world. Jesus commissions us to sow the seeds of his gospel to parents and children, to spouse and neighbors, to our community, and to the field, the world. May we do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're able, please stand. As Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he says to you, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father.